Take your Bibles if you would, and if you would find Acts chapter 26. We're going to be looking at a familiar story found in Acts as we continue in our Hoosier One. It is with great intention that we have come into this place to declare that the Lord's name is good and that we are one in Him. And as we've come together, we also want to be a people who are sharing that with others. We have uh, uh, last week, if you were here, you know that uh, many of you placed a Hoosier One card. We also have Hoosier One cards uh, continuing in the uh, in the back of the chairs there, and we encourage you if you have not participated or you have others that you'd like to share as well. But uh, at the end of the service today, just as we did last week, if you'd like to come lay one on the altar, pray for who's your one, you certainly can do that. Uh, don't have to come lay it on the altar. We encourage you to participate. You want to take, tear it apart so that uh, you have one card and we have another card that we can be praying for and as part of our commitment uh, today. You leave them in your seat, put an offering plate as well. You don't want, wish to be able to come forward. We are in Acts 26 as we continue our Who's Your One couple of weeks from today, beginning a sermon series in preparation for the days to come called Moving Forward, It's About Time. We'll be looking at studies from the book of Joshua, not just about physically moving forward, but that we might be able to move forward uh, in Christ, spiritually growing as a church and individuals as we need. Hope that you'll be a part of that, anticipating, of course, preparations for Resurrection Sunday in April and all the things that are going to be taking place. And every Sunday, particularly in the first service, but some even in this service, we see folks who we have not seen in months. And so we welcome you. We're always glad to see you. Appreciate you being here, those who are in the overflow room and uh, those who are online as well today. We're going to look at many passages in Acts 26, and we encourage you to stay focused and to be with us the whole time today, uh, not just presently, but uh, focused in mind, body, and spirit, all of those things. But let, let me give you maybe our main focus uh, in Acts chapter uh, 26 that we have, and I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to read verse 16. I think, in fact, I think we're going to put it on the board here for you. Acts 26 and verse 16 says, but... Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to point you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Jesus is talking to the Apostle Paul, then known as Saul, as he was on his road to Damascus. And we're going to look at this uh, uh, look at this testimony here just a little more closely along the way so that we might be able to understand. It's not just a message for Paul, but we believe that he has called us also to serve and to be a witness for him, there were a group of uh, people who had been trained through the Red Cross in first in first aid training. They had come together maybe for a testimonial period, sometime after their training, so that they could share how their training had helped them. One lady stood up and she said, "She said, oh, I got to share my testimony of how my first aid has really helped me because." There was, right in front of my house, there was a car accident. An elderly man swerved off the road, hit the oak tree in front of my house. And he was thrown from the car. He had a cut on his head. His eyes were rolling back. He had compound fractures. Bones were splintering. He said that uh, he said there was, blood was coming out many different parts of his body. He was groaning profusely. It was a terrible sight. I didn't know what to do. And then I remembered my first day training. I remembered if I would take my head, place it between my knees, I would not faint. Oh man, and it really worked. I was really glad for my first day training. Too many of us are like that lady. We carry us with us the gospel, the greatest and the only spiritual first aid that does any good for the things that we are facing today. We know that there are people in need uh, who need to know Jesus. There are people who need to know the love 
of Jesus, the people that need to know the good news, some whose lives are wrecked by sin, and they need to understand, and we come across them, and our reaction, our first reaction, and sometimes our only reaction, is it sure does give me comfort to be able to know Jesus. The problem is that there are people who need to know and need to be touched with the love of Jesus. But I've come to conclude that it's not that we don't necessarily know what to say or proper techniques in order to be able to share about Jesus, though we're always continuing to work on that. It's not that we uh, need to have any more understanding of who Jesus is. What we need to do is we need to be properly motivated. We're going to read today about one who perhaps was the highest motivated Christian, maybe whoever lived, Uh, in the Apostle Paul. And as we read about him today, we're going to understand how we might be more highly motivated in Jesus. I want to give you this promise today. I want to make this not just a prediction, but I believe this will happen today. Here you've come today to be a part of this worship service. You've participated in worship and praying today and coming together. You're going to hear the reading of God's Word. If you pay attention to what God's Word says and the message that He has for us today and you participate today. Maybe you're a note writer and you've got a pen ready. Maybe you're not necessarily a note writer today, but today might be a good day for you to do that because what we want you to do is we want you to be properly motivated and to be able to have the correct tools in order to be able to share. And if you will do that today, this is what's going to happen. The opportunity to share the good news and show the love of Jesus will present itself very soon you'll have that opportunity. Now, we're still going to have to make the choice, you understand, in order to be able to share that. But if you're willing, available, prepared, it will come. Well, we're going to talk about what will motivate you, what will motivate us to be on mission to share our faith. And if you got notes before, you might notice there are kind of four Ps we're going to talk about. But coming from this passage, first of all, you have a past to remember. You have a past to remember. Here was the Apostle Paul he was, uh, he was a prisoner of the Roman government, first seized by the Jews in Jerusalem and then turned over to the Roman government as a Roman citizen. He comes and he appears by now. He's, already, he's coming before Festus, who is the procurator, kind of the, uh, the governor that's in charge of the money for the Judea. And then he comes before King Agrippa. King Agrippa there, the king over Judea at that time. And Paul, as we're going to be reading verse, in chapter 26, he was able... To speak in his own defense. Now, there are many things that Paul could have said. He could have said, talked about being treated unfairly as a Roman citizen. He knew the law backwards and forwards, and he could have talked about the law. He certainly could have told why he needed to be released, stood up for his own, for his own self, but instead, he sees opportunity to give a personal testimony before the king. We're going to be talking about that. But again, first of all, first part of that is he's remembering, he's telling what his life was like before he met Jesus. So we're going to read part of the chapter, Acts chapter 26, verses 4 through 11. We're going to read, I'm going to read them from the screen. You can read them from your Bible. But here it says this, My manner of life, Paul writes, from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. He was a well-known person before and after he met Jesus. They've known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises people from the dead? Some 
in that group that day did not believe in the resurrection of any kind. Anybody rising from the dead, some did. And he writes in verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem, not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Verse 11 reads, And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them. I persecuted them even unto foreign cities. Before Christ, Paul was a religious man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was perhaps one of the most dedicated to his religion. In fact, he thought it was his religious duty to persecute, to arrest, and to kill Christians. In fact, in verse 9 that we read a moment ago in the New International Version, it says this, and you look in your version, verse 9 says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus. And then what does he say? I locked up Christians. I voted for some of them to be put to death. I blast, I, I, I tortured them and persecuted them in the synagogue so that they might blaspheme. I had such raging fury that I went to foreign cities in order to kill believers and it all in the name of God and religion. Paul was a religious, domestic, terrorist, turn missionary. If somebody ever thinks, or you talk to somebody, they ever think it's too late for them. They've done too many bad things. They've gone so far away from God, God would never love them. God would never forgive them. There's no way God's ever going to let them into heaven. Just point them to the Apostle Paul and all the things that he did. One of the motivations that Paul had for being highly motivated to be able to share the good news was the fact that he had a past that he wanted to remember, not because he was guilty, because God had removed all of that guilt, because of how good God was. The Apostle Paul remembered his past. He talks about it in many of his letters, what it was like before he met Jesus. Some people think Paul might have been a little bit of an egomaniac. I mean, he talks a lot about the things that he did, his accomplishments before he met Christ, but that is not the case. In fact, he said in another letter, it's counted, he counted it all as rubbish for the sake of Christ. Paul's past served as incentive because at one time he was misguided. He may he was secure in his religion, but it was a false sense of security. He doesn't want you and I. He doesn't want others. He tells the testimony so that people might not continue to earn their way to God, to be able to earn their salvation. Wasn't carrying around guilt because he knew that Jesus had forgiven all. So I'm telling you here today, it's okay for you to remember your past and how God has forgiven you. In fact, I want you at this time, even now, to remember what it was like before you knew Christ. There's no one here who was born a Christian. All of us were born into sin. We're all sinners who needed to turn our heart and life over to Him. And we need to remember sometimes what it was like and sometimes share what our life was like before Christ. Now, this is a participatory service that we're having here today. You've already asked to participate But if you've got your notes there or if you've got something to write on, I think there are pens in front of all of you, so everybody ought to be able to grab a pen of some kind. But I want you just to encourage you maybe to write a word or two what your life was like before you met Christ. Two or three phrases. Some of you could write a whole book, I understand, but just two or three words or phrases, either spiritually, physically, and or spiritually. Now, for some of you, you maybe perhaps did try to earn your way to God. For others of you, it was that you lived totally for yourself. You may have lived a life with that, with, 
uh, with sin without any thought of the consequences. Everyone's experience is different. For some, is that you felt secure until you met Christ, or maybe you felt had fear, felt unaccepted. Or maybe you knew something was missing. Or maybe it was that you grew up in a home to where you were uh, spiritually nurtured and home to the time that you came to know Christ. Whatever it was, will you remember the past? Now, we need to be careful for sometimes Satan brings up the past in order that we might be able to feel guilty about that. But the guilt does not come from above, but comes from below because we know that Christ, in being those who are in Christ, it is not bring to guilt, but it brings us to remembrances of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And we remember and we believe by faith that we've been forgiven of sin. Understand as we talk about these very things and today, it is, we're talking primarily about those who have a story because they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There may be some here today or some that are listening today that you may not know Christ, but you're listening today or maybe you are not sure that you know, maybe unsure about your Christianity. Well, we encourage you to continue to listening in to be a part of what we're doing today because I believe before it's over, you'll know if you have a story to tell or not. And if you don't have a story that you know that you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. He wants us in our forgiveness as we think about the past to feel secure, confident, loved. What a motivation to share your story. But also we find that you are high, should be highly motivated because you have a personal experience to share. You have a personal experience to share. Now let's read verses after you write down a personal experience to share. Let me, let's read verses uh, 12 through 18. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And Paul writes, And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's hard for you to kick. It, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to point you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And verse 18 says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It is perhaps the most familiar testimony in history. Most of you probably have heard this testimony before. Do you know why that is? One of the reasons because it's repeated three times in the book of Acts. It's referred to in many of the Paul's letters. I think Paul told his testimony over and over again. And it was experience that motivated him to spread the word. I was uh, talking with a pulpit committee some time ago, back a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And they said the only requirements they had for their pastor is that they wanted one who did not know Greek, did not know Hebrew, and had never been to the Holy Land. And the reason why you think that was, because the last pastor, all he talked about were Greek words and Hebrew words, and all he talked about was going to the Holy Land. Well, here's the Apostle Paul, he knew Greek, he knew Hebrew, and he lived in the Holy Land. He would not have been a candidate for that particular church. But though he was an expert in the Old Testament, knew the Jewish law backwards and forwards, after an encounter with Jesus, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to say, hey, look what, let me tell you what happened to me. 
I was on the road to Damascus. And while I was on that road with some of my companions, we were going there so that we might be able to arrest Christians and even kill some if we had opportunity. But while on the road, there was a light that shined bright. It was midday, so it was brighter than the sun, so bright that we all fell backwards. Everybody got up but me. I was the only one who was blind and could not see. And then there was a voice from heaven heard. It was the Lord Jesus, and he began to speak. The other companions with me, they could hear a sound, but they could not understand the voice that was speaking to me in Hebrew and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, here I thought I was persecuting some right-wing religious rebels. But come to find out that I was persecuting the one who is the Savior and Lord Jesus. And he came in and saved me. And that's Paul's story. Some of you might be old enough to remember, or maybe you've heard there was a, there was a show on Broadway called Jesus Christ Superstar. It was a rock opera, kind of a sacrilegious musical about Jesus, kind of in modern day, but portrayed him not as the son of God, but as a sinner, and they purposely left out the resurrection as they told the story of Jesus. So they told it incorrectly. The star of the show, Jesus, was a fellow by the name of Jeff Finholt. Jeff Finholt was with the original, and then he toured the country, and they sold 15,000, 15 million albums or something uh, from the songs from Jesus Christ, a superstar. Jeff on the outside was a Success, but inside he was very empty, which led him to drugs and alcohol. And then one day, there was a fellow, a construction worker actually, that was working on their house that his, Jeff's wife had hired to add a wing on to their house, who was a believer. And he met Jeff and he told him, and talked to him about the very person which he had portrayed on screen and told him about the real Jesus. Jeff Finhope became a believer that day and Continued to tour the country. In fact, before that time, he was part of the anti, part of the uh, anti uh, group of the anti-Christian name Black Sabbath. But he turned all that over and he began to tour the country, he began to sing about Jesus, and began to share his story and the greatest experience, not being his musical Jesus Christ superstar, but that he had met Christ. And before his death in 2019, he told many, many other people about Jesus. But just a few years ago, he appeared at on Broadway once again in the very building in which he started doing Jesus Christ Superstar. But instead he appeared on that day in order to dedicate that building to become an evangelical church there new in Manhattan called Times Square Church. Your personal encounter with Jesus also is a motivation to share. Just as no one is born a Christian, no one becomes a Christian gradually. We become, may come to know about Christ gradually. Seed may be planted that may come to harvest at a later time. But there's a point in time in which each person must encounter Christ for themselves and by faith understand that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The way and the only way ask Christ to come in to forgive them of their sin. Everyone must ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, the very last part of that verse says, The righteous will live by faith just as it is written. Now, just as I asked you to remember what your life was like before you met Jesus, let me ask you to remember the day that you had a personal encounter with Jesus. Now, you don't have to remember the exact date, but I want to remember the things that surrounded when you asked Christ to become your Savior and Lord. And I don't mean to remember that you walked the aisle or you shook hands or had lots of hugs or even that you were baptized because a warm, fuzzy feeling does not make a conversion. 
But the time that you genuinely ask Christ to come in, to forgive you of sin, ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord, and change happened in your life. And what I want you to do is, in two or three words or phrases at the most, have a place there in your notes, but the person or place or event that pointed you to Jesus. What was it that happened? Was it a friend or a family member? Was it a revival? Maybe at a, a Sunday morning worship? Maybe it was a youth or college event or children's event? Uh, maybe it was just time alone when suddenly you knew that you needed to ask Christ to come in? And maybe there's more than one. Somebody told you about Jesus. Later you became, and you could write probably lots, but just two or three words maybe at the most or phrase or two. And then also I want you to kind of fill in those blanks. I also asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and gave my life over to him. And the reason I ask you to write it this way is because it is true. You don't have to say these exact words you understand, but if you're telling your story, just as the Apostle Paul told his story, you knew that Jesus came into your life. You knew that Jesus has forgiven you of sin. So it should be also a part of your story as well. By the way, <clears throat> the second greatest story ever told is not the Apostle Paul's. We know what the first greatest story ever told is. The greatest story ever told is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left the throne of heaven and he came to live amongst us and he died on the cross for our sins and three days later he rose again. It's the greatest story ever told. The second greatest story ever told, it is your story. It is you sharing what Christ has done today. And you being able to say as the Apostle Paul, hey, when you have opportunity, hey, look what happened to me. Now, if you can't point to a time when you had a personal encounter with Christ, today Jesus is knocking on your heart's door if you're paying attention in the least. Jesus is asking and he wants to come in. He wants to save you and change you. He wants to give you a story to tell. Yours may not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul, but never underestimate the power and the impact of your experience when it's told to other people you know or the other people you meet. Bottom line, if you, if you have a story of a personal experience with Jesus, it's a motivation to share. Something else that should be highly motivated, causes us to be highly motivated to share, you have a pathway to walk. You have a pathway to walk. Let's read some more verses from the story. Uh, we'll read verses 19 through 23. Beginning verse 19, it says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Mo Moses said would come to pass, <clears throat> that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. I, I said earlier that no one is born a Christian, but if you're born in the state of Alabama, probably you're either born an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan if you're in the state of Alabama. Now, there are a few folks in North Alabama when I lived there that were born Tennessee fans. I'm not sure how, but you, they, put, they give you your big toes painted orange or it's painted crimson or something along the way. Uh, such as that. In fact, I heard somebody say that uh, wife is with child. They came back still early on and said, well, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but I could tell 
that he's going to play for Bama. Now, you know that's a true story because if it was made up, I would have said it the other way. I will tell you this, that uh, just in confession, I guess, I was not born an Auburn fan. I do remember in uh, 1993, Terry Bowden became the coach of the Auburn Tigers and you can look it up in your history books, okay? But, uh, and they had a perfect season, 11-0 and 0, uh, on probation, so didn't play bowl games. But Auburn and Auburn fans were electrified. And the only reason I remember that, there have been many times Auburn and Auburn fans have been electrified, lots to celebrate before and since. But I remember that because on the Sunday after the Iron Bowl, I preached from this passage, I referred to this passage. And I said what King Agrippa said in verse 28, talking about the things I said, and they knew that I was not an Auburn fan as of yet. I said, thou almost persuadest me. I think they all clapped perhaps at that time, but I still now being fully converted. But what wouldn't it be that we could be as passionate and motivated about following God's pathway? Jesus told Paul in verse 16 that he would be a witness not only of this, but many things to come. He was told that he'd be a witness to Gentiles in Acts chapter 9 where the same story is told with a little more detail. He was told that he would appear before kings. And now here he is before King Agrippa. Probably thought he would come maybe in a little bit different circumstance rather than coming as a prisoner. And then he was told this Jewish Pharisee that he was told that he was going to come and instead, he was going to be sharing with Gentiles as well as his main mission, as a missionary for the Lord, for the Lord Jesus. I will tell you that it is a pathway that God has for us. His pathway is not often our pathway. But we need to passionately follow God's pathway regardless of what it is. Not just because it's our duty, because it can be exciting regardless of the circumstances that we are in. Even when they're at their worst, it can be thrilling to see how God is going to work things out and to realize that God has made brought you to this particular situation, this time and place for a time such as this so that you might be able to share a word or be a witness for Him. We often think, well, we've got to be trained before we actually share. We've got to go through this or got to go through that or maybe sometime in the future. Well, here's the Apostle Paul. We read it just a moment ago. Do you know where was, where was Paul on his way to when he met Christ? He was on his way to Damascus. Well, notice again in verse 20, it says, First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all Gentiles also, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Paul didn't wait. He began in Damascus. I believe that wherever God has you right now, you are where you are in your situation, in the family that you're in, in the classes that you're in, in the work that you're in, in your neighborhood, God has you there for a purpose. Now, He may move you sometime, but He's allowed you to be in whatever situation you're in so that you might be a minister and a witness for Him. I've heard testimony time and time again of believers who were in tough situations, sometimes life or death and sometimes suffering and grief, who decided they would not crawl into a hole of self-pity, but instead that they would trust God and they might as well share a witness while they were there. You've got your notes there. Let me encourage you to share the difference that Jesus has made emotionally or attitude. What difference has Jesus made in your emotion or attitude? Your attitude certainly should be changed because we're to have the attitude in the mind of Christ, the Bible tells us. Emotionally, well, we still sometimes have the same emotions, maybe even that we had before Christ, or maybe that other people have who do not have Christ, but now we know what to do with them. 
we can turn them over to Jesus. So how has that changed in your life? Or what actions? What, are you, what is something you've done differently? What actions are different because you know Jesus? Well, if you can't think of any, well, maybe you should think of some that should be doing and you might want to be able to include those as well. There, there's one more motivation. We have a past to remember, personal experience to share, pathway to walk, but also there's a person to be saved. There's a person to be saved. One more set of verses we want to read. Verses 24 through 29 says this. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, he's the procurator, said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. With great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, showing great respect, but I'm speaking true and rational words. And then he turns from Festus to the king and he says, for the king knows about these things and him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice for this has not been done in a corner. He looks at King Agrippa. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you but also who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. One of the things that we uh, learn maybe in evangelism training, because I remember reading this, and he seems to say it over and over again. He either says, he says, oh, King Agrippa, oh, King, you need to know this. Keeps repeating it. And then I remember that tip in evangelism is to say the person's name often so that you might make it personal and connect with them. And Paul told him, He's speaking for a group of people, but he's telling particular King Agrippa, he said, I would that you and all those who are here would be like me. In other words, would be able to come to know Christ as personal Lord and Savior, except for these chains. Paul was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, but he was taking prisoners for Christ. Excuse me, he's a prisoner of Rome, but taking prisoners for Christ. The love that... Paul had experience with Christ caused him to love King Agrippa. Do you know, you know who King Agrippa is? He's also known as Herod Agrippa. His uncle was called Herod the Great. And his uncle tried to kill Jesus in Bethlehem. In fact, he did kill all the babies in Bethlehem. Another Herod, another relative, there are a lot of Herods, another Herod had a hand in putting Jesus on the cross. None of the Herods were good. All were cruel, particularly to Christians. In fact, Herod Agrippa was the last of the Herod family. He might have been the most cruel, yet because of Christ, Paul loved him enough to earnestly want him to be saved. Now, in order for to put this into perspective, it might be like another generation of believers caring enough to witness to Hitler. Or maybe even another being motivated maybe in this millennium if they had opportunity to witness to Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden. Or maybe even you wanting to be a witness to a Republican or a Democratic president depending on your political leaning. Now we may never have those opportunities but we can only imagine and we can certainly pray for that. But we have a hard time loving our own family members and friends and neighbors enough to share a story with them. A great motivation for sharing is the person who needs to know Jesus. May God give us a motivating love for others that motivates us to share. Was Paul a success? Well, we might say no. 
For we find then Agrippa said in verse 28, Acts 26, 28, in the King, New King James, it says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Well, to be almost persuaded is to break hell wide open. King Agrippa said in the more modern translation, do you think you can persuade me with so few words? As far as we know, he never accepted Christ. In fact, he was the Herod who had James one of the first disciples and the first martyrs who were killed for the faith. He exiled John on the Isle of Patmos. Paul doesn't sound accessible, but he was because he shared his story. Now, you may have family members or friends. Maybe you've been praying for Maybe some are right here on this, and you think you've had little success in them coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me encourage you to continue to pray for your family members and friends and your who's your one. Seek to live before them the life that you need to live more and more Christ-like. You're not going to be perfect all the time, of course. In fact, we're going to be far from it sometimes. When you have opportunity, share your story. And if you do these things, you will be found successful in doing what God would have you to do, knowing that the results are in His hands and in the person who needs to make the decision. Speaking of great stories to tell, this is one of my favorite stories. My wife's nephew, our nephew Lance, was in high, when he was in high school, he was selected to go to Boys State. Every year they would select boys from all the counties around the state and they'd come and they'd stay one week on a college campus and uh, they would learn about government and usually they were selected by academics and leadership skills and these kinds of things and Lance was selected to go when he was in high school. And when he went, Lance has always been involved in church and he thought, well, maybe he was there not just to learn more about government, but maybe he's there for a greater purpose and he decided he'd go and he began sharing his story and witnessing to other people. One occasion he went to the rec room where they were all uh, playing ping pong and pool and doing different things and he stopped everybody, got their attention. He said, my name is Lance. He said, I know we're all here for Boy State, but I want to tell you that I'm a Christian. And if you're a Christian too, I'd love to meet with you so we might rally around so we might be able to share with others. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to become a Christian. And he shared his testimony. Uh, in case you don't know, Lance is one of my heroes. That week, every night, they'd go from dorm room to dorm room sharing with the other boys that had come for Boys State. And what began kind of as he and a couple of others, they actually turned into a pretty big posse. They'd meet before they went. So one boy said, well, I don't know what to say. And he said, well, that's okay. I don't know what to say either, but I'll start. And if you can chime in, uh, we'll just simply tell our story and tell about who Jesus was, Jesus is. And they proceeded to share their faith with others and the difference that Jesus had made. I don't know the results of how many Christians, how many boys became Christians that week, but it was success because young men did what God had wanted them to do because they were persons to be saved. Some years later, Lance received a letter uh, from one of the boys at Boy State. And he said, I was in the room, the dorm room, when you came knocking on the door and you shared about your experience and your testimony and and he said, uh, Lance said, and you passed out a nail talking about how Jesus was crucified. He said, well, I found that nail this week. And so I thought that I would write you and tell you, he said, I, I was a Christian when you walked into that room, but I didn't say anything. And I've been a Christian for many years, but I recently rededicated my life and I'm seeking to share my story with as many people as I can. Being highly motivated is contagious. Doing God's will is contagious. I, I performed Lance and his bride Angela's wedding ceremony a few years ago, and Lance felt a definite calling on his life to serve the Lord Jesus. You know what he became? Preacher? No. Missionary? No. 
student pastor. Lance became one of the, uh, or probably the favorite male teacher in elementary school near Birmingham where he grew up. Now he's the principal. Impressing Christian values and courage over countless lives that will multiply many times over. As you filled out already your who's your one card, or if you've got one to fill out, as you do that, I want you to be able to make a commitment in these areas to commit to one or more or all of these following. You've got some eyes there. The first one is I want you to intercede. That is to pray uh, for the individual that they'll come to know Christ. It is simplest thing, but it is one of the most powerful things that we can do and join in in what God is doing. And with that, we're going to give you kind of a month that we're going to emphasize that. We're going to emphasize that in the month of March in the coming days. And uh, we want you to do it all of 2021, of course, but particularly. And then we want you to invite. We encourage you to invite someone to where they can come and hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We're going to do that in the month of April, particularly because that's when Resurrection Sunday is. There are a lot of people who hadn't been in church for a long time. Church has got a bad rap during the COVID time. I think a month from now, it ought to be fine for everybody to come. And we're going to, those who want to remain safe and socially distant, you certainly can be able to do that. Good time for you to invite. We also want to encourage you uh, to be intentional. That is intentional in a caring relationship, not for another notch on the belt, but because the Lord has placed the love in you to love other people. We're going to be emphasizing that on particular days as well. It'll be in June and July, we encourage you. These are not necessarily linear that they have to be done in this certain order, but these are just times in which we're going to encourage you to be doing these things as well. And then the other is to inform, tell somebody about your testimony or about the good news of Jesus. And we'll be encouraging this on particular months, and those will be in August and September. And then we also want to encourage you to involve, and that is involve somebody in a small group or a small group gathering, people craving community. And even those who are lost or unchurched, they may come and be a part of the community if it's a part of a Bible study group or a part of some other uh, outreach or fellowship, perhaps, that that Sunday school group or Bible study is having. We'll encourage that toward the end of the year. Surely by uh, October, November, December, fall and Christmas, we're going to be up and running. And you can get together as much as you want without anybody saying a word. And we encourage you to involve others in that, not just for us, so that we might be able to reach out to others. Of course, you can do these of course, at any time. Let's pray about it. Fathers, we come to you even now. We thank you, Father, for the great testimony that we have in the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the great testimony that you have in each one of us who know you as Lord and Savior. We pray now, Father, that we might be highly motivated because of what you've done for us in the past, because of the pathway that you have for us, because of the a person that needs to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Increase our motivation and our love for others. We pray, Father, for one who may be here or listening today that does not know you as Lord and Savior or they could not say they have a testimony. Father, we know that they can make that straight today. We know that they can call upon you even now in the things that we've talked about. And we pray today look for a great harvest. We know that that's in your hands, Father, but we thank you for allowing us to be part of the planting, the watering that needs to take place. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.